Well, I got an exciting message for you today. You ready to be excited about the Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord. Part two on who are you in Christ? Do you know who you are? Do you know the power that you have? Do you know the position that you have in Christ in this world? We're not just mere men, but we have the power of God residing on the inside of us. The Bible says that we are complete in him. Everything that Jesus did, we can do. And yes, even greater works can we do than he did. Isn't that amazing? That God has given us his power through Jesus Christ and says, go on with your bad self. Go ahead and do those mighty acts. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Amen? Conquer uh, kingdoms. Do things for the Lord that you couldn't do in your own strength, but God through us is doing great things. Now, I learned this lesson. I better pray first. You ready to pray? I got so excited. Just shout out the cannon right there. <laughs> Father, thank you for bringing us together. Lord, guide my heart and my lips and my mouth to say you, the things that you want me to say to edify and glorify your people. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, and all agreed said... Amen. Well, when you learn this principle, you have more confidence in the things that you're going to face. You don't have fear in, in your own self and in your inabilities. You know, God never made perfect people. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. A lot of us think we're perfect. A lot of us think we do everything right and it's the other person that's doing wrong. But God didn't make any perfect people. He knew that we were going to mess up. He still loves us. He still gives us grace. He still enables us to do great things for him. But I learned this uh, early on when I took a job with Farmers Insurance Company. And uh, so I applied for the job. I needed a job. And the supervisor told me, he said, you don't really want this job. I go, what? He goes, let me show you here, the back room, the other insurance adjusters. And one guy was just nervous, just nervous, writing and doing all this stuff with his papers. And uh, then I looked at the other guy, and he's on the phone, and he's yelling on the phone, yeah, well, I told you that this is not, no, no, no. And I'm going, oh, that's not going to be good. And then there's other guy, he's just going around in circles talking to himself. You know, I don't, I don't know. And he said, do you want this job? I needed the job, so I said, you know what? God in me can do the work. Not me and myself, because I thought about it. What if Jesus had that job? Would he be all nervous? When Jesus was on the earth, was he all nervous? Was he like, I got I to gotta study for the Beatitudes, and I got to go talk to Zacchaeus, and we got that, that maniac in Gadara. I got to get over there. And Lazarus, I haven't even gotten to him. He's dead in the grave. I don't know when I'm going to get to him. Ah, You never saw Jesus running or having to you know, catch up to things. Wherever he was is what it were, where it was and what was happening, right? So I took the job and I allowed the Lord to work through me and I was able to accomplish far greater than they did because I prayed. You know, you have to get these comparables of cars in those days. You know, like if you had an old um, Volkswagen or something and you had to find a comparable, the same make and model in the year. And so I would, they said, that's the hardest part, trying to find a comparable. So I would just pray, say, Lord, help me find a comparable. And I look, open my eyes, and right across the street, there was a comparable in an in a, in a, in a automobile, um, what do you call it, used car lot. I go, that's pretty convenient. <laughs> I just walk right over, there's my comparable. Saved hours. God kept doing that for me. 
because he has Jesus working through us. Praise God. So the disciples really didn't know what Jesus had done for them and what place he had put them in until the apostle Paul came along and said, you know what? You don't understand what God has done for you. He wrote this. He says, we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. That's a pretty good position, isn't it? Seated together with him. Where? In heavenly places. And where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. So if we need help, what do we do? Just lean over and say, Father God, in Jesus' name, we need some help over here. Right? It says, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing, which turns into natural blessings, we have been given that. The Bible says also that, that, uh, that, uh, that as he is in the world, so are we. Whatever Jesus did, we are able to do as well. We are workers together with him. We're not alone in this world, praise God. We're not just mere men and women, but we have the power of God residing on the inside of us. So I want to do a little recap of what we did last week. And my wife said, it's, it was a pretty simple message last week. It was kind of simple. So I said, I'm going to put a little, you know, meat to it, a little, put my foot to it a little bit and, and let you know exactly how it affects us. So let's look at this first principle. You are loved. The Bible says, therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So we, we think, we, we throw love around pretty easily, don't we? Love your brother. Love your sister. Yeah. We're with you. We love you. But if you mess up, we're against you. You know, we are going to just cut you out, not talk to you or anything. That's not the kind of love that God is talking about. God's talking about a love that he knows what we're going through. He cares about us. He's seeing us through. Even though we don't do exactly what he wants us to do, the Bible says that it's his goodness that leads a man to repentance. He, he loves us with an everlasting love. I talked to my friend at Kaiser the other day, and when, he, when I first met him, he, he was, uh, was kind of like a renegade guy. He was in the mailroom, and he was, you know, cursing and throwing boxes around and and, you know, just distraught with his life. And he would miss work a lot, and I'd cover for him, being the great, you know, man of God that I am. I didn't complain, <laughs> just a little. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he would thank me for covering for him. I and mean, he missed days on end, you know. And I'd go to the supervisor, is he coming today? No. Can you cover for him? Sure. And so uh, finally, you know, after a while, he, I, I started giving him CDs about teaching, my teachings and other people's teachings, and he really got touched and moved by it. And so finally I said, you, have you accepted the Lord ever? He goes, no. And I said, let's go into the side room and pray a little bit. And we went and prayed, and I don't know what happened. Like the Holy Spirit came in and just knocked us down. We had to hang on to the wall and go like, oh, my God, how are we going to go back to work? It's like the Holy Spirit just encompassed us. Every time I prayed with him, the Holy Spirit came in a big way. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. He doesn't read the Bible. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't do anything. But he knows how to receive what God has for him. I go, this is amazing. And so uh, as time progressed, he started getting promotions on his job. He, he even skipped ahead of me. I'm going, like, how did you do that? <laughs> and uh, he said, it's God. God is good. God's really blessing me. I go, Really? And so as I left, he was getting promoted again for the second time. I go, man, how are you doing that? Because, you know, it's kind of hard to get 
promoted and move on to other, other positions in the company. And then I just called him. I just felt impressed to call him last week. And he said, yeah, God is blessing me. He said, I don't deserve it, but God is really blessed. I'm getting another promotion. It's just amazing what God is doing. I'm going like, hmm. <laughs> we don't realize what God has for us. He loves us that much. And so look at this here, this uh, picture. Uh, this, is, this is not your typical stereotype, Jesus hugging someone. This is a guy that, you know, he's not that plastic, fantastic guy, the, you know, the purified, beautiful guy. No, this is a guy out on the street needing help, and Jesus is hugging him. And look at Jesus' eyes. He's, he's, his eyes are closed. He's, he's feeling the man's pain. Do you know God feels your pain? Jesus feels your pain, all that you're going through. He knows what, you're, what you have to deal with, and he's there for you, and he feels what you're feeling, and he's there to help you in the things that you're doing. Praise God. So you are loved. It's just not a casual love. It's an everlasting, deep love where he feels you and he loves you through the things that you're going through. The second thing is you are accepted. He has, he made us accept, he made us accepted in the beloved. He brought us in. You know, you were accepted before you got saved and you're accepted after you got saved. Because, you know, we think, okay, we get saved now, all of a sudden we're, we're, we're perfect. No, we're not. We're still being perfected in Christ. So he's still working on us. He still has to bring us to completion, but we are accepted. That's a good thing, isn't it? I know I play basketball a lot of times, and, and my, my skills are not as good as they used to be, and so sometimes I miss a shot that I should have made. You know, it's just an easy layup, and I miss it, and I go, oh. And the teammates just, it's okay, Chuck. It's okay. You're, we're with you, okay? Keep shooting. Keep shooting. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. I'm accepted. And when you make a mistake in the Lord, he still accepts you. Isn't that good news? I think it's good news. I don't know. Okay, let's look at this. So he's, he's, he's walking. He's a friend. He walks with you. You're accepted. You can share things with him. Hallelujah. He can walk alongside of you, even in your tribulations. And the third thing is, we are a child of God. Behold. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we shall be called the children of God. And when you're a child, let's look at this slide. When you're a child, guess what? Jesus takes care of you. And we're all children in his eyes, aren't we? We think we're all high and mighty, but you know what? Our knowledge is about like that compared to God Almighty. Praise the Lord. We think we got it all. We got it under control, Lord. We're, we're sailing. We're moving good. No, God said you still need help. So we are his child, and what does a, a father do to a child? He protects, he provides for, and he guides to do the right thing. We are a child of God. Hide and, and, and cover yourself in that. We can call him Abba Father, Daddy God. You ever have to call him Daddy? Daddy, help me. <laughs> Daddy, come help me. I can remember one time when my, um, my, my parents were going out, and my dad had three wires, three different colors, red, blue, and yellow. And they were just tangled a little bit at the end. And my dad says, son, just untangle the ends and separate them into piles uh, while we're gone. And when we come back, you know, I'll, I'll put them up. I go, okay, pop. So, I don't know. <laughs> Richard, maybe you can relate to this. <laughs> I started pulling and trying to separate them 
and they got entangled, so I had to start from the beginning. And before you know it, the whole living room was filled with wires, red and blue and yellow. And my parents came home, and my dad's eyes bugged out, and my mom said, why would you give a boy something like this to do? And my father said, I just told him to move a couple of the wires apart. And so my dad, he, I don't know how he did it. He cut a couple, separated, and like in 10 minutes, he had it all separated. That's what a father does. He comes and separates your mess, amen? You may have gotten entangled in something that's so difficult that you can't figure out how to get out of it, but God, who knows all, can come alongside and say, let me separate these things for you and get them straightened out. I've heard people that have looked into the eyes of Jesus, and they said, he can see into your life, and he knows everything that you've faced, and he's able to separate it and, make, and give you the answer in a second. So all we need to do is get into his presence, get into uh, his, his uh, covering, and God will bless us in that. Amen? Amen. So the next thing is, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, you're a friend. A friend. Come on. God Almighty loves us, accepts us, calls us a child, and then he puts us equal footing and calls us his friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. Isn't that good news? I don't know it's good news to me. He says, no longer do I call you servants because the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. And I, I was talking to this one lady, and she said, man, things have just been going wrong for me. I've been out of church and away from God. and I don't know if things just seem to be going wrong for me. I said, you know what? If that's an easy fix. She said, I used to serve the Lord. I used to do all these things for him at church. But I've gotten away from him. I said, that's an easy fix. Just find some Bible verses that bring you close, that you love, and recite them and say them in your heart, and the presence of God will come in. You can talk to him, and you can be a friend to him, and you can tell him how you feel. Don't you tell your friends how you feel? You don't have to hold back, and you can say exactly what you want, and a friend who loves you will give you guidance and give you encouragement and give you strength. And that's what we have. What a friend we have in Jesus. So let's look at this. Jesus will sit and talk with you as long as you want to talk, ladies. You can talk your, <laughs> till you're blue in the face. Amen? <laughs> I know, us men, we have limits, you know? You got 15 minutes and that's it, okay? <laughs> if you can't shorten it up, then we'll have to continue at another time. But <laughs> Jesus will listen to you. And he will answer you as a friend. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's look at this uh, last thing is, you are an heir of God. Isn't that good news? You are an heir of God and joint heirs with Christ. That means everything that God has, he gave to Jesus. And whatever Jesus has, we have ourselves. So this is the, the wrap-up. We have an inheritance in him. So we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this is the, that was just the format. We're loved, we're accepted, we're a child, we're a friend, and we're an heir of God. Is that, could it get any better? Yes, it does get better, actually. <laughs> Let's look at this, okay? <laughs> okay. Let me have my reader. In Isaiah, the next scripture... Roshan's 
my soul exalt my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. Right. So our righteousness is not in ourselves. Isn't that good news? All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. That means when you get in the presence of God, what you thought were so, you, how hot you were and how holy you were is going to be it's just no comparison. And I've had that exposed, my heart exposed, and I realized that I have selfish ambition. I have, you know, I don't know whatever else I had. But anyway, I knew that my heart was not right. In the Lamb's book, in Revelation, the angels are, are, are crying out, who is worthy to open up the scrolls of salvation? And everyone was crying out, no one is worthy. But the angel said, behold, the Lamb of God, the the uh, lion of the tribe of Judah, he is worthy to open up the scrolls. Only Jesus can save us. So our righteousness is from him, and we get his robe of righteousness on us. Now, I want to illustrate this a little bit. And um, uh, I've done this before, and I've done it in times past. In fact, we had a, a lady that hadn't been to the church in about 20 years, came to visit us, and she said, you know, Pastor Chuck, I always remember that illustration you did about Adam and Eve and Jesus, and I, I, it always stuck with me. So I'm going to do it again, and thank God we have Richard and Sally, because they are our Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve, come on down. Come on into the Garden of Eden. Come on all the way up in there. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, now, things are pretty good up there, right? Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, okay. Do we have a devil? Anybody want to be a devil today? Arturo, come on. You want to be a devil? Come on, you can be a devil. Just for five minutes, okay? Then you can go back. <laughs> can you tempt them with that apple? Tempt them with that apple. Eat, just... <laughs> she gave in easy, didn't she? <laughs> Go ahead. Did she take it? Wait a minute. Okay, he, she took the apple. Good job, devil. You did a great job. What happened when Eve ate the apple? Nothing happened. Why did nothing happen? The covenant was not with Sally. It was with Adam. Adam was the head of the covenant. So Sally, or Eve, now she's going to tempt Adam. Whoa, who can resist that? All of a sudden, guess what they are? Naked, they can't, they have no clothes. Oh my God, what, what happened to you, Eve? What happened to you, Adam? You don't have any clothes on. Prior to that, if Eve would have lost her clothes, Adam would have seen it, right? So guess what happened to Adam and Eve? 
they get kicked out of the garden. I'm sorry, guys. Go right over there. Yeah. Adam, you messed up. Right. Stand, stay right here. Stay right here. Stay right here. Eve, come on here. Stay right here. Face this way. So <laughs> the thing is, Eve really ate them out of house and home, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and God came to Adam and said, Why, where are you? And he said, I'm hidden. And he said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat out of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And he said, it was her, the woman that you gave me. And the woman blamed the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> so then now everybody that was born after Adam and Eve fall into this, the Adam's family line. So do we have some people that were born that want to come up? And Do you guys want to come up? Come, no, you don't want to come up? Ron, you want to come up? Anybody, anybody want to come Rosie, Rosie, come on. Just, it's, it's, not, it's a non-speaking part. You can do it. <laughs> How about you in the front row? Come on. Come on just stand over here. Be, get behind Adam and Eve. Okay, Adam and Eve, you're, yeah. Adam, you're the head. Eve is behind. Okay? Rosie, get behind there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Rosario? No? no. Lily? No? Oh, you guys are chicken, aren't you? Okay, come on. Mary. All right, Marianne, come on. Isaac, there you go. Man, you're holding up the show here. <laughs> so everybody that was born before Jesus is in the Adam's line, in his covenant. And what were they born in? Born in sin. They call it original sin. But guess what? Jesus came. All right? Charlie, would you be Jesus here for a minute? Be right here. Turn face this way. All right? He got promoted. He's... <laughs> He's Jesus. Now, God now made a covenant with Jesus and said, if anyone can live a righteous, perfect life, you can have eternal life. Jesus said, I will come in the volume of the book to do your will, right? And when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Salvation has come to uh, the people again. So now everybody that is in this line can now move over to this line. Not you, Adam and Eve. You stay right there. <laughs> but all of you all get to be in Jesus' line. So now let me ask you this. If Rosie sins, what happens to the covenant? It's not broken. Because who's the covenant with? with Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died. He rose again. He's in heaven. And God's, it's sealed. It's done deal. So now what happens is God looks at everybody. Well, wait a minute. See, now don't stick your head out there. Get back in line. There you go. See, when you want to get fleshly and you want to start doing things in your own, you get out there. Hey, you know, hey. God say, what is that ugly fleshy thing? Get back in line. So as long as you stand in line with Jesus, you stay connected in the covenant and in his righteousness. Isn't that good news for you? So the pressure is off of you. 
You don't, if you make a mistake, you don't have to say, oh, God doesn't love me. Oh, I miss all my blood. No, no. Repent. Get back in line and say, yeah, cover me, Lord. Cover me in your robe of righteousness. Amen? Is that encouragement for you? Amen. Give everybody a hand. Praise God. And the thing that she remembered is the part about when you get out of sync, out of line, and you start showing yourself, God says, ooh, that's not good, so get back in line and get focused and let the Lord, you know, see you through God's eyes. Praise God. So the first thing that in this new covenant that we have is righteousness. The second thing is authority. Uh, who's our next reader uh, behind you? Yeah. <laughs> Does the devil know scripture? <laughs> book, of, book of John, chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater the works than these, he will do, because I go to my Father. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, let's see this. Let's see this uh, remember this story? Jesus and his disciples are in the boat, and they're traveling to the, end, the other side of the, the, the lake. And uh, he says, let's go take a trip, guys. And they think it's going to be a nice and easy trip. You know, we just go for a little boat ride. Kind of like uh, in Disneyland when you go on a small world. It's a small world after all. Oh. When I first went on, I said, are you kidding me? Is this a ride? I mean, it's barely moving, you know, and you can look down there, you can see the water, you can touch it, you go, this is not a ride? And then you see, and you're going so slow, it's like, oh my gosh, and you get tired of that song. And so that's what Peter, James, and John thought, that this was going to be just like a little, you know, it's a small world ride. And all of a sudden, they get into a whirlwind, a storm, and the, the winds and the waves come in, and they beat against the boat, and these are fishermen, and what did they say? Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And uh, it's okay. All right. Good to have you with us. Yeah, there we go. Don't you care I'm perishing, Mom? <laughs> I'm in children's church. Help me. <laughs> but that's what we cry out, don't we? Because Jesus was sleeping on the boat. How could he be sleeping? Because he got up early in the morning to pray. He's tired. He's sleeping. And the disciples say, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? We say that all the time. Can't you see us here, Lord, going through this, if this storm and these winds? Don't you care that we're perishing? I know. I've prayed that prayer before. You know what the Lord told me? The same thing that's up here. Let's see. Is it scripture before or after? It must be before. No, after. Nope, before. But it's not even in there. He said, he says, he said, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? He's, he says, you're supposed to speak to these situations. Speak to the mountains. Speak to the sea. Speak to the fig tree. Speak to your sickness. Speak, speak to your finances. You speak. Not tell God about the problem. That's what he said to me. Where is your faith? You speak to it. You take authority over the situation. Me? <laughs> Moi? Let's, let's go back and see Jesus on the boat. So you notice his hair's wet? I mean, he's in, he, it's real waves. 
You know, it's not this stereotype. Peace, be still. <laughs> no, it's real waves. Carest thou not that we are perishing? And Jesus said, where is your faith? What did he want them to do? Huh? Take authority and do what? Speak command. He wanted them to do it. Why you wake me up for? You can do this. Right? And they said, what manner of man is this? And what should he have said? The same kind of manner of man that I want you to be. I want you to take authority. I want you to take dominion. I want you to take possession of my inheritance. Praise God. So that's the first thing. Uh, we have, I mean, the second thing. We have righteousness. We have authority. The next thing is we have healing. And Lux be, uh, has the... Okay, you're going to read it? 24. Who himself bore our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness? Mm -hmm. By whose stripes you were healed? Yes. By whose stripes you were healed. Not hoping to, not fixing to, not trying to, but you were healed. So my question is, does God want everybody healed? Yes. He wants everybody healed. Was, is everybody healed? According to the scripture, when Jesus died on the cross, we have been made righteous. And if we're righteous, then we should be entitled to the healing virtue of God. So everyone was healed 2,000 years ago when Christ died on the cross. Just like everyone was is, salvation is available to everyone when Christ died. We just have to what? Receive it. Take it. Take hold of it. Grab it. Make it yours. You know, sometimes you have to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe your word. I believe what you have said to me. By your stripes, I am healed. I command this body part to work and function in the perfection to which you created it to function in the name of Jesus. And you don't get off it until it happens. You know, people ask me, did you get tired of confessing? No, no, I never got tired. In fact, I gained strength every time I confessed because I knew it was going to happen. I knew the word of God worked. I knew that God is not a liar. Let every man be uh, a liar and God be true. Amen? So I knew that it was going to happen when I did not know. In fact, I used to say, Lord, anytime, I'm ready, anytime. And I just kept continually saying it. And I gained strength, and his presence came upon me. And see, because there's many ways to get healed. Did you know that? You can have somebody lay hands on you, and it can be instantaneous. That's so nice. Isn't it so wonderful? Just pray for me. Oh, I'm healed. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then sometimes you go and you get prayed for it. Nothing happened. What happened? Nothing happened. What do you do? Give up? No. There's a surer way, and that's in putting the word of God to the area, to the problem, because the whole world was what? Uh, was made by the word of God, and the word of God will correct anything that's wrong. So when you put the word of God to the situation, it has to happen. That's what God said. So here's, here we have Jesus. The, the woman with the issue of blood just touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. But guess what? God wants us to be that person that they touch us, the hem of our garment, and they get healed. 
That's how much healing virtue we're supposed to have in our own self, not just for us, but for others. Praise the Lord. That puts now a little bit more responsibility on us, that we have to be used as a healing vessel for others to come so that we can pray for them because we know more than what they know. You know, when I play basketball with these guys, my Muslim friends and my Jewish friends, and they get hurt, who do they go to? Christian guy. Because <laughs> they know he can pray, and God will hear the prayers, and they'll get healed. And I even pray for guys that are on the other team, and the guy said, don't pray for them, you know. We're trying to win. <laughs> and one guy the other day, he, he said, I can't play because I've got a bad back. And I said, just come to the place and I'll pray for you. And so he came and he said, you know what, Before, you didn't even have to pray. As soon as I talked to you, I felt better already. I'm ready to play. I go, praise the Lord. Amen? If I can just touch the hem, if I can just come in his presence, I will feel his virtue. Praise the Lord. You know, I know my, my wife and I, whenever we have to pray or believe God for something, and it doesn't happen right away, does that mean that God doesn't want to heal us? Does that mean God doesn't want to bless us? No, sometimes God wants us to dig in and find him and find the person of the healing, find the person of the blessing, and God will bring it to pass. He just, sometimes he just wants our attention. Did you know that? I mean, if everything was just so easy, just lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. People wouldn't be pursuing God. They would just be, you know, well, let's go see Pastor Chuck or let's go to the, the great healing man of God and everything would be fine. God said, come to me. I'll use them, but come to me. And so the last thing that we're entitled to is, uh, Norma? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So we see that Christ took all of our curse for us, all of our healing, all of our financial woes. He took that curse from us. You know, in Deuteronomy it says, if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord, all these blessings will come upon thee. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. You'll be the uh, uh, lender, not the borrower. Whatever you put your hands to will prosper. Amen. Isn't, isn't that good news? Yes. He said, Abraham's, look at this, the blessing of Abraham might come on us because Jesus Christ paid the price for us so that we can be righteous and we can receive all that God has intended for us. Yes? <laughs> Are we lacking? <laughs> what do we need to do? Get closer into him. Receive his promises. Receive his word into our heart, and we will see what God... And so what do we have to do? Fall in love with God. Fall in love with Jesus. When you fall in love with him, he takes care of everything. I know when my wife and I, we were, we were working, uh, and we, we owned a, a condo, and it was getting kind of rough, and the con was kind of tight, you know. <laughs> I mean, the kitchen walls, you can go like this, and you can touch both, all, both the walls. <laughs> and then you, you walk into the living room, and you go like, you take about four steps, and you're out of it. You go like, what? That, that, that was a quick trip. <laughs> the bedrooms were big, but the downstairs, you know, when you have people over, you only have like five people. And uh, so we were believing for a house, and my friend said, just put a picture of your house on your refrigerator, and every time you walk by, just confess that Jesus is providing a house for me. You know what I said? Fooey on that. 
I said, I am not going to spend my time with a picture on the, on the refrigerator. I'm just going to serve God and believe him and watch him bring it to pass. Because when you work for God, he will bless you. He will prosper you. He will reward you. So we began working in the ministry, and we were in Cleveland, Ohio. We were in a meeting, and Marianne was doing the tapes, and I was doing the finances, and we didn't hardly get into any meeting. But one of the men of God, one of the prophets there, came by the tape table, and he said, he stopped, and he said, are you guys believing for a house? And my wife jumped about as high as I've ever seen her jump. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, yes, that's right. And I said, praise the Lord. And he said, the Lord is preparing a house for you. I was working. I wasn't even in the service. But God knew where to find me because I was working for him. He watches over us and knows what's happening in our life. He doesn't, you know, forget or, or what, I forget, um, what is that scripture? He's not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love. He watches and takes note of everything that you're doing, and he'll accommodate you as you trust in him. So sure enough, it happened. We got our house, and God is good. So if you're believing for anything, the secret, the key, fall in love with Jesus. Serve him. And know that these uh, nine things, let's go review. First of all, you're what? You're loved by God, unconditionally and uncompromisingly, compassionately, he loves you, right? Second thing is we're what? Accepted. accepted by God. Despite our faults, we're still accepted before we got saved and after we got saved. But he's working on us, right? It's the goodness of God that leaves a man to repentance. The third thing is we're, we're a what? Child of God. We're protected. We're uh, provided for. We're, we have guidance in our life. Fourth thing is we're a friend of God, right? We can share our heart and our lives with him. We're heirs of God. We have an inheritance. The last four that we covered today, we are what? His righteousness. Say it. I am his righteousness. Not my own, but his. He provided it for me so I can walk in right standing with him. Isn't that good news? He's not mad at you. He loves you. You can walk right alongside with him. You're in right standing. Oh, God's going to get you. Oh, you know, you, you messed up. <laughs> no, I repented, praise God. <laughs> I have one, one friend of mine. You know, the way they get to say Muslim religion, we share notes and talks. And the way he gets is by good works. He needs good works to get to heaven. So I said, Brother Amir, I can help you. I have some works that you can do some good works that you can do so that you can get to heaven. You need me. So we use his truck to move things. <laughs> we help to move Rosie's furniture. He moved some things out here to the church. I said, I got another project for you. I go, I'm going to keep you busy so that you can get to heaven. <laughs> he doesn't really know that I'm really his answer to get to heaven because I'm praying for him that Jesus will come in and be his righteousness, not in his own strength. Praise God. The second thing is we're his authority. We have authority. Do you, do you like being in an authoritative position? Like whatever you say goes? Or do you like people telling you what to do? <laughs> I don't like people telling. In fact, my son, when he was uh, working at World Vision, and he didn't know if he wanted to be a lawyer or not, and all the lawyers were telling him stuff to do, and the assistant lawyers, and the, 
all the other people in the staff. He said, you know what? I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like being on this end of it. <laughs> I want to be on the giving end. So he went to law school. Praise God. So you want to be an authority. And then we have what? His healing virtue for ourselves and for others. What a blessing. Do you know who you are in Christ? You're, you're wonderful. You're wonderfully and fearfully made and endued with the power of God on the inside of you. And the final thing is, he is, we have what? His financial blessing. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Do you feel like you're equipped right now to do some things that you couldn't do before because Christ is in you and you have to know who you are in Christ? Well, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to just hear the wonderful things that Jesus has done for us and who he has made us in this life. So we rejoice, Lord God, in knowing you, knowing the power that you've put on the inside of us. Teach us, Lord, how to use this power, this authority, your righteousness, your healing virtue, your financial blessings, to put it to work in our lives to see those great things that you want us to have happen actually happen in our lives. And so for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.